You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Vainan, so good to have you here. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show. Hey, Natalie, long time no speak. Uh, good to be on the show today. Um, you know, it's exciting because when I decided to do this topic, which is empowered wellness, I was thinking, well, what guy can I call upon to chime in and add some real wisdom and life experience uh, for my audience? And, you know, you were the first person to come to mind. I know I interviewed you probably three years ago on Instagram Live. Uh, so before we dive into the topic, can you let us know a little bit about, you know, your COVID experience yourself? Like, how did it go for you? Well, um, Natalie, as you know, a lot of what we do is actually event, events-based. So when all of a sudden you go from having all these events lined up for the year to having no event, you know, you're, you're really caused to reconsider how you do things. Um, so look, we've, we, we had our challenges during that time. You know, as a family, we, um, we were locked down as everyone was. We, we went through our own challenges of, you know, being in a confined space. We worked through those. Um, we we came out stronger in the end. But you know, as an organisation and in the, in the work that we do with, with marriages, we we actually learned that uh, events and the way we were delivering what we do weren't the only and the best way to do things. So I'm actually, you know, I call it the gift of COVID. We mm -hmm. we've learned a lot, and we we were forced to innovate in a few ways. And some of those innovations are actually still embedded in the way we do things now. And and I think we're actually probably being more effective post-COVID than we were before. Well, that's amazing. And what do you mean by effective? What do you measure that by? Yeah, that's good. Because how do you measure uh, effectiveness in terms of marriage, you know, growth? And it's hard because it's, it's often quant, it's often, you know, qualitative. You get those mm -hmm. testimonials. The way I measure, you know, maybe the effectiveness is um, if I think about depth, the depth that I get to take couples through, um, when I guess couple in, engage with us over a course of a weekend, um, that's a weekend. So that has a level of effectiveness. It's hard to measure sometimes. Um, but if I think about what we're doing now, it's more of a mix of having that immersive experience for people and more of an ongoing experience as well, where, where people are actually um, helping each other on their journey. Uh, I mean, I can talk more about that if you want to, but later, but uh, I think the effectiveness is more about the depth and the, I guess, duration at, at which we actually get to invest in marriages or in couples to strengthen their, uh, their relationship. And I think, I think people do want to have, I would imagine, they would want to strengthen their relationship. I, I wouldn't imagine there would be a couple that, that possibly didn't want to strengthen it. While some people do need to go their separate ways, I imagine your, your focus is mainly with helping people strengthen and stay together. Well, right. If people are wanting to go their separate ways, then the likelihood of them knocking on our door is, is probably low. Although if they do, it's often because they, they, they say they want to go separate ways, but only because they don't see a way forward. And they sort of, they, they're actually at that space of hopelessness and, and there I even use the word despair. Um, but, you know, our, our tagline actually has been for, for a long time has been help for today and hope for tomorrow. Um, I love this phrase and we often think of ourselves as merchants of hope. Mm. You know, how much hope do we have and how much hope can we infer into those that, um, you know, we get the privilege of speaking to or working with? Um, because if you can give someone just that 
that hope um, the tools and the the ways the the how to I guess will follow, but it's always that hope. If hope is lost, you know that's often when people start looking at a way out of a relationship. And similarly, I imagine if hope is all they have and they don't seek the tools or they don't have the tools, it also can't work. So are you able today, I mean, there'll be people I imagine in the audience like me who have really had a very tough time, um, you know, out of all the things that, that I've endured in the past three years, it, definitely it's it's been really hard on the marriage. So people like me, or whatever, what strategies or tools can you share with us that we can t- take on board today? Yeah, yeah, right. Look, we we think of, I think of marriage uh, in the context of um, as being on a scale, a scale between uh, isolation and oneness. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that. So isolation being that space where, you know, you might be married, but you, you're, you're really um, isolated from your spouse, your spouse, you know, you don't, you don't share necessarily that intimacy. And, and I like to slow, slow it down when I say intimacy to into me, see, see, I believe the goal of a, a healthy and flourishing marriage is when we are experiencing intimacy, we, we are vulnerable with one another. Um, and we're able to actually, you know, take off the masks and be safe together doesn't mean we're the same. It means we're safe enough and we're bonded in a way that we get to be intimate. Another word you can use for that is marriage oneness, right? So, and, and, and I think marriages are always, they're never stagnant. They're always moving. So you're either moving closer to oneness or you're increasing your oneness, your intimacy in your marriage, or you're drifting towards isolation. Um, but yeah, it's always going somewhere. You cannot actually, you, you cannot actually stand still. So I think if we, if we can stop and just recognize, hey, if I want my marriage to grow, I need to figure out a way to see, do we both have a goal of growing in oneness, in, in intimacy? And, you know, let's simply start by having a conversation. What can we do to take one step in that direction today? or this week, or this month. And, and, you know, I can, I can fill up our lineup today with lots of tools, and maybe we'll get to talk about one or two of or maybe three of them. Um, but I think overall, you need to have a, a motive, uh, you need to have an intention to want to grow in your marriage, and to want to commit to the relationship. I love the saying, and, and I think someone wrote a book about this as well, which I haven't read, but uh, just this phrase, uh, we over me. Okay, so it's more about us, it's more about our marriage than it is me as an individual and what you're doing to, I guess, serve me or annoy me. If, if I can get to the place of placing my marriage first, our marriage, we always approach, you know, our union as how can we, what can we bring to it? How can I, how can we serve one another? And that's just a whole different mindset than what most of us actually live in when we're thinking about, you know, what coffee do I want this morning? Or, you know, how would I want my eggs cooked? Or what clothes am I going to wear? Or, you know, how am I going to style my hair? All these things, you know, we're, we're, we're very me focused, you know, we go online, we can shop, we can find what we want, we've got a few options to choose from. And if we don't like it, we send it back. You know, we live in a very consumer focused mindset, where it's all about my individual happiness. 
Well, guess what? Marriage doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> marriage is actually the opposite. And it's, it's about serving a greater good. And the greater good is the union of the two of you. Yeah. And I agree with you. You said, you know, marriage doesn't really stop. It's not like you get to a point going, we're awesome. Tick, you know, we're going to be great forever. It, it evolves. And sometimes it's you're vibing and it's going great. And sometimes you're a little bit off. Things are off. Um, so I think that's important. I wrote down the we over me. I wrote it down like a little fraction. Is that what it's supposed to look like? We line. Yeah, yeah that's it. My question is, what about the kids? Because you said, you know, it should be, you know, ideally it's marriage first, like focusing on the marriage. And I don't know about other people, but I wrote a book called If Only They Told Me, right? All the things you wish you'd been told from pregnancy to starting school. And the reason yeah. I wrote that was because my, I was concerned. I would just, I would found that it was a lot harder on the marriage once the children entered the picture. And I felt like nobody talks about this. Everyone's all like, get this nappy bag, buy this stroller. But it, you know, what kind of, what's your birth plan? But it wasn't around the relationship. And so I found when kids came along, the dynamic changed. Should we still be marriage first, regardless of kids or no kids? Well, that's the thing. When kids come in, all of a sudden, the demands on our time just increase significantly. Uh, but if you think about it, and, and I'm going to go back to pre-kids, but also pre-marriage, okay? So let me take you back, Natalie. Um, you were standing in front of, I don't know how you got married. Uh, we got married in a church, but, you know, we were standing in front of the altar and okay. in front of the altar. And we did, um, we did a bit of mix of traditional vows and we wrote a few of our own. But somewhere in there, we promised each other to love and to hold and to care and to cherish and, and all those beautiful things until death do us part, right? That's a four life commitment that I made to Al Ray, my wife, and she made that commitment to me. Now, it's not that commitment didn't say as long as I feel that I love you, that, that was actually like a commitment that we made to one another for the rest of our lives. And that commitment, you know, actually creates a sense of security for us to grow and develop as a person and in our marriage, in that relationship. So I believe, you know, that that commitment forms the base of how, you know, we even get to engage and do this thing called marriage together. Now, the fruit of marriage and getting together, and I know not everyone does it this way these days, but, you know, the fruit of marriage is that two people make a full life commitment. They, they know each other, you know, on a physical and a, an emotional, and you could even say a spiritual level. And then the fruit of that relationship is kids, right? Now, here's the crux. I never made a vow to my kids that I would <laughs> love and hold them till death do us part, right? Um, my job as a parent is actually to raise them and then launch them into the world. So, Yet it's easy when kids enter our relationship and our dynamic to make, to bring them into that main priority and sort of neglect our, sp our spouse. But we'd be wise to actually think, no, we need to make sure our marriage is, is healthy because out of a healthy marriage, we've got so much more to give. You know, it's almost like trying to give when the tank is on empty. It's not something you can really do. So if you get the, the priority of, um, of order correct, then you just have so much more to give to your kids and your kids will benefit if mom and dad is doing life and relationship well. So 
And, and then I say that with a caveat because those early years of raising kids, the marriage really doesn't get the attention that it probably deserves, right? But what, what I've been told, and, you know, I, I, I always, uh, this is a vivid picture in my mind, but, you know, uh, someone who's given me great marriage mentoring advice is, in these years, if you can just keep that pilot light burning, you know, um, it will get better. You know, you will get more time. You will get to a stage where your kids become more dependent and you have more time for one another. But at least if in principle, we know that my wife is the first priority, like our relationship is key. And if that's going well, then we, we have so much more to give our kids. Yeah. And the trickle down effect of that. That makes sense. So in terms of where we got married, we got married at Mona Vale in Christchurch. So shout out to all of the Cantabrians out there. I actually came down the um, river in a canoe um, and my dad was sitting there with me in this canoe and my two friends that I did the Southern Traverse with, it's a multi-sport race in New Zealand. Um, they were paddling, these two guys that I did the race with. Um, and then we, you know, we came on we, and we did outside in, in, the, in the grass and it was beautiful at Mona Vale. Um, so it's good to revisit those memories and remember what, <laughs> where it all started and the commitment. Interesting about your point, like I didn't make a commitment to my kids, but I just, you know, as a mom, maybe as a parent, but I can only speak as a mother. I just found, I found it so easy to make the kids more of a priority than myself, than my husband. Yeah. I just made them the priority and maybe that's part of the, the trap. Well, it's called being a parent and, and right, you have this responsibility. I remember receiving our um, little Jonah, you know, from the hospital when, uh, cause that's where, that's where he was, he was born and um, receiving him there and taking him home for the first time and, and almost feeling like a bit guilty. Like, am I even allowed to leave this place with this little life in the car? And you almost feel like you're driving slower than you'd usually do because this weight of responsibility of this human being that is now entrusted into our care we need to we need to raise this child you know that's that that's a weight and it's so easy to neglect areas of our lives to make sure we do that well you know but i i always have to remind myself that i'm not the best version of myself if some of my needs aren't taken care of, you know, and I'm talking basic stuff. I'm not talking about being selfish and making it about me first, because as a parent, you do sacrifice. You do, um, you know, maybe give up that last um, chocolate or cookie for your kids, you know, rather than you taking it. There's a sense of sacrificing for your kids. Um, but it's good to know that are you showing up the best version of yourself for them because that's what they really need they need you um to be inspirational to be a role model uh and to actually figure out the the juggle because it is a juggle and 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 nobody said it was easy but i love this quote uh someone shared it with me not long ago life wouldn't be so difficult if we didn't expect it to be so easy and ain't that the truth mm -hmm. yep it is it is and I think that comes back to what I was mentioning earlier, which is why, like, if only they told me, which is the name of my book and a podcast, we did about 200 episodes and it was all around, like, I didn't realize it was going to be so hard. I guess I just thought it would be easier, which is kind of similar to what you just said. Speaking of self-care and self-love, 
for our audience, that is the topic we are going to dive into in one of our upcoming episodes in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, always, it is important, isn't it, to take care of oneself. It's not selfish, but you can't, if you're depleted and exhausted, well, you're not going to be a great partner or a great parent. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, in my book, uh, Connection, A Journey Towards Intimacy, I, I wrote about this, the, the topic of boundaries, right? How you actually have to draw healthy boundaries. But the illustration I used was on a tree. So if I've got a fruit tree in my garden, I typically put up a fence, you know, or a boundary around my garden because I don't want wild animals to come and take the fruit from the tree. Okay. However, if my neighbor walks around and he wants one of these lovely, delicious apples growing on my fruit tree, I can happily invite him into my garden and he can have as many apples as he, he would like. Or I might say, yeah, you can have three or, you know, <laughs> I can control if I've got a good boundary, I can control how many of the produce I give away. But here's the thing about a good boundary. A good boundary ensures that the, the tree is protected and that it yields the best um, uh, yeah, yield that it can. Uh, so let's, let's reverse that. Let's take away the boundary. Uh, the moment a little, uh, you know, fruit appears on the tree, someone just grabs it. Doesn't even give it time to grow to maturity. And the tree is just trying to survive. It's not well looked after. It's not well fed. You know, it doesn't get proper water. It doesn't get the time it needs. The, the, the soil doesn't get the nourishment it needs. Nobody's really going to desire anything from that tree, right? And, and, and I, think, I think our lives are the same. If, if we're not taking care of the tree, and that's me, that's my wife, that's our marriage. If we're not taking care of the tree, well, it's not going to bear much fruit, right? Uh, we, if we're not in a healthy space, uh, sure, we might be able to do things for other people and, and give, but actually what we have to give is so much less than if we were to just say, okay, well, hang on, we're in a season right now of cultivating the ground. The goal is a healthy, flourishing relationship. And the fruit of a flourishing relationship is that we will always have more than what we need, right? And that's true for marriages. I think marriage is one of the, um, the most untapped sources to bring good to the world, uh, marriage and family. And what do I mean by that? If a family is doing well and a family has just, just has those rhythms in place, they're um, modeling respect, they're, they're glad to be with one another, identity is solid, you know, kids grow up feeling confident, they can take on the world. You know, I'm sure we all know at least one of those families. They, you know, we, we almost maybe even a bit jealous of them sometimes, you know, like, like, how can they just do all these great things, you know? But if, if family is going well, if, if, if the kids are growing up in that environment, um, there's always an impact on people around them. And it's, it's for the good. I think you're right. And my audience probably knows by now that I love a good metaphor, a good analogy. So I loved the example of the tree and the boundaries. So yes, boundaries is definitely key. It's easy to let them kind of sway. Like maybe you put a fence around, but you leave the gate open. It's like, nope, <laughs> put, come right. back to your boundaries, put them back in place. Um, I wanted to ask you about something else you mentioned. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it before we clicked record. You were talking about drifting and moving or drifting versus moving in a relationship. 
Yeah, intangible? yeah. So, so we, we mentioned this thing around um, you're either moving towards oneness, you know, or, or intimacy, you're growing in that area, or you're drifting away, you're drifting towards isolation. Um, nobody gets married or gets into a committed relationship with the goal of being isolated, right? We want to be with someone. We we enjoy being with them. We, we, we envision a dream of spending more time with them, doing everything together, growing old together, all these wonderful things. That's a, that's a, an illustration of oneness. A few years down the, down the line, sometimes even a few weeks down the line, you know, the, the dream, the, the rea- the dream comes to reality. And some of those, you know, we have a session at our, our weekend getaway called marriage myths. You know, those myths that we carry into marriage, you know, we'll oh, give us one. Yeah. We'll just, yeah, yeah. We'll always just love one another. And it's, it will just always be great. Um, the reality is when real life kicks in, it takes work, but that work is worth it. You know, we have, um, <laughs> we, we, are, uh, we have, a, 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 there's a t-shirt that I saw recently that says, you know, marriage is hard work. And then that hard work is uh, scratched out and it says worth it because sure mm-hmm. cultivating a marriage that, I mean, the type of relationship that most people desire takes work, but here's the thing. You will always receive a multiple, um, you know, compound interest effect return on investment on every bit that you actually invest in your marriage. Here's a, here's a shocking fact though. Most people spend, you know, on average, probably north of, let's just call it a number, we'll be conservative, say 10,000, you know, dollars on the wedding. Right. Okay. And recently I heard about another wedding that went down like something like a hundred thousand dollars, you know, wherever you're on that spectrum of how much you paid for this occasion of getting married, you know, your wedding. The next question would be how much have you actually spent on the marriage? And for most people that that's a, that's a solid zero. Most people do not invest a single dollar or intentional time into their marriage post getting married. Um, and, 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 and I think, the natural drift then is towards isolation, mm. but that's what we're all about. We, we want to help families and marriages grow together. And then that second aspect, which I also briefly mentioned that impact their corner of the world, because we know healthy, flourishing families, um, will impact those around them. And I love that too, because, you know, I'm all about amplifying your impact, but you don't need to do it alone. If you can nurture three amazing people in my case, three amazing children, and I, <laughs> including my husband, that's four. Four, if I can nurture four amazing people, imagine what, you know, when you do the math on that, what we can all do. You mentioned yeah. um, the, you talked about investment. So yeah. how can we grow, especially if we tend to be drifters, you know, those of us that yeah. feel like we're drifting rather than moving intentionally. Um, how can we grow this investment mindset that you talked about? Right. I think... We live in an always on culture, you know, even a, even a few years ago, we weren't reachable outside of, you know, maybe being at home when the landline, you know, rang, you know, I, I, I still remember, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself, um, 
that young, but not that old either. But I still remember the time before cell phones, right? So when I wanted to ring my friend, I'd ring their house line and I'd ask if they were there. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. Oh, they weren't. Fast forward a few years, we're just available on instant messaging, text, um, phone calls, social media, there's email, there's, there are actually multiple channels. And I mean, these days when someone sends you a text and they don't hear back from you, they might send an email and send you a social media direct message because they haven't heard back from you. Um, they haven't heard back from you. And I think we are, we are, we are so filled up time-wise mm. that we are just responding to everybody else's demands on our time. You know, unless we've been intentional about cultivating a habit where we turn off the technology, where we step away and we just focus on relationships, the, the reality is those, those instant messages, those Facebook feeds, they release endorphins, right? Our, our brains are actually hardwired to want the novelty that comes with the message or a like or, you know, anything that the phone actually, you know, smartphones provide us these days. And then we neglect the real life relationships, the real life connections that we have right in front of us. Um, so you, you asked the question, how can we be intentional about investing? I think one of the easiest, like I love, I love easy. I don't know about you. Um, I love doing difficult, long-term, hard projects, but I like easy. And one of the low hanging fruit, I think when it comes to relationship is just having a rhythm of disconnecting any other voices, any other influences, technology, and having a rhythm of just focusing on the two of you. My wife and I, uh, the beginning of this year, uh, our schedules was sort of starting to get out of hand and we just felt we weren't really connecting as we should. We scheduled 30 minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying take a whole day. I'm not even saying take a whole lunch. We scheduled 30 minutes in the middle of the week uh, to just have a coffee together, right? But the purpose for that coffee was uh, we called it our rhythm catch-up. It was, it was purely to just make sure that what's happening here this week, like it was on a Tuesday, so our Monday would usually be frantic, things would happen, and by Tuesday the, the week is sort of settled, the people that we needed to engage are doing their thing, and it's just a great, it was a great time in our week, sort of an anchor point to say, Okay, so here's what's going up on coming up. Here's how you know our week has started, but just hey, we're just focusing on one another, and you wouldn't believe the amount of anticipation both of us developed for that thirty minutes together. Um, our kids were away, you know. Um, that on a Tuesday, we actually work from home, so we could we could do that, and um, it, it it it's a small investment, but with a massive return. Another thing that we, we do to encourage couples um, is like having regular date nights. I, I heard a, a counselor or you know, someone who's worked with literally thousands of couples mention this once that he's never met one couple seeking a divorce who has regular date nights. Now that's a bold statement, right? Um, but if you've worked with more than a thousand couples and those seeking a divorce, not, not one of them 
had this pattern in their life of having a regular date night. That says something. And a date night hasn't to, doesn't have to be a movie, uh, you know, a movie and a dinner. It doesn't have, you don't, don't even have to spend anything on a date night. Sure, it's nice to spend something and make it special, um, but it's, it's really saying, hey, we're going to spend a night. It might be one hour. It might be two hours if you're really busy, right? But we're actually going to say we're going to block out some time in our week to just focus on the two of us. And it changes. Um, it, it has a dramatic change and a flow-on effect because so many of the other things in your marriage will fall into place when you've just got at least one anchor, one building block of regular um, time for each other. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is regular and that rhythm. So for our listeners, if you're like me and you're like, oh yeah, well, I guess we haven't really had a date in a while. And my kids are, our kids are older now. It's easy peasy. We've got two babysitters in the house. Uh, whereas before when they were younger, it was, it was a little bit, it was a little trickier. So committing to something. And I wrote down also non-tech time. So turning off the tech, um, having some regular anchor, right? It's like an anchor to like, okay, yeah, yeah. Tuesdays, we're going to do our 30 minute catch up. One of the things we used to do in our early years of marriage, and I'm pretty sure it was before kids, but we were really amazing at it on a Friday after work. We both had jobs. Um, we would go for a walk and we would do our, what we call my, our one to fives. Now, a few mm -hmm. weeks ago on my show, I mentioned one of my favorite books, which is John Strzelecki's big five for life. It's so amazing. Um, and it's about the big five, but this is slightly different. This is from my multi-sport days where we were racing, you know, for like 24 hours or like, it was just ridiculous. And instead of saying, oh, how are you going? Oh, I'm really tired. What about you? Like that takes a lot of energy to say that. So we would mm -hmm. literally just say, I'm a two, or we would literally hold up two fingers. So it's basically, how are you going on a scale of one to five, one being crappy, five being amazing. And so we didn't even have to say that. We would just go, what are your numbers? And they go, I'm a one. Okay, you're a one. I'm going to take some stuff out of your bag or I'm going to tow you on the bike. Okay, so that's multi-sport talk, but you get the gist. So Amazing. we would have every Friday, Friday, and we're walking, remember? So we're going for a walk and it's just, we're outside in nature walking. What are your numbers? And we'd say, oh, well, in terms of work, I'm actually a four right now. I had such an awesome day, some great meetings. But in terms of like our relationship and a relationship, we divided into two things. It was administrative, like logistics and boring things. And then it was like us as a couple, you know, so we might go like us as a couple, I'm a four, but in terms of admin, like I'm a two, because I know we need to sort out, you know, that spreadsheet and pay the tax or whatever. Um, and that seemed to work really, really well doing the one to five, because it gave us a, the regularity. And we All would right. sometimes be super geeky and write them down and go, oh, look, you've been a three for two weeks in a row. What's going on? Like anything a three or below, we dive deeper into. Like what's behind that? How can we bring you up to a four or five? Yeah. What do you think about yeah. that? Oh, that's amazing because you're giving language to something and you're making it easy. I love how you said it's it's almost too much energy to say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. It's like, just give me a number. <laughs> how are you checking in today? You know, just give us a number. Um, here's a, here's a little practice that you might, you might also enjoy, um, along with that is cultivating the, the skill of sharing joy stories. Okay. Now what in the world is a joy story? Vainan. So, you know, our, our, our Gabriella, she's a little girl. She's, um, just about 20 months now. I was going to say, and I thought you only had one child. This is how long it's been since we've caught up. That's, that's right. So you know what it's like, you know, um, at that when they're reaching that toddler stage they're so cute and every little thing they do you just celebrate you know so uh my face just lights up you know when i on the days that i actually get to work from home 
And then sometimes, you know, when I've got my door open and she just, she actually would just walk into my office and she'd do something super cute. And she'd look at me in the eye, me in the eyes and their face lights up and she said, daddy, you know, just that expression. I mean, I would not have had that had I been doing the same thing away in an office. Mm. No, you know, now sometimes, you know, those distractions uh, can come across as annoying, but the amount of joy that that interaction, you know, brings. And now I can experience that joy moment, but I, I you know, we're having this conversation and, and I can actually see your face. And I saw your eyes light up when I told you about seeing my 20 month old coming to the room and being it's excited I love to kids. see me. It's because I love right. babies. <laughs> you love them, but you know what it means, right? And, and my joy is actually contagious. Like now I can see you're struggling to swipe, um, to get that smile off your face no, right I'm like now. I'm getting because, teary-eyed is what is happening over here. Right, right. So <laughs> that's the power of joy, of a joy story, you know? What's the alternative? We can complain about whatever we're going through, but joy has this way of just immediately transporting us from wherever we've been, however we low two or three or whatever, to just bringing us into a state of joy. Here's the thing. Our brains are naturally hardwired to you know, protect us. So we look out for risks. We look out for the bad things. We remember the bad things. And we're not good at saying what's good. We're not good at saying what bring what uh, brought us joy today um, because it's almost like we don't need to pay attention to that. That's not threatening. That's not a threat to our survival. We mostly pay attention to the things that are bad because that's a threat to our survival. Um, but there's almost, you know, if I can call it a higher way of living and that's cultivating joy. Um, I've heard of this thing about gratitude for a very, very long time. I know how good it is to practice gratitude and be grateful. And I would have considered myself a fairly upbeat and grateful person. Uh, since the beginning of this year, I've been part of a, a group. Uh, it's called the Journey Group. And we basically just practice some um, some skills together. And we sort of, on a weekly basis, we'll, we'll meet up, we'll have a bit of learning time, and then we'll just share stories like this joy story I shared with you now. Um, and then we, we're literally practicing. Your, your brain develops the capacity for joy by practicing gratitude. Now, that sounds like a mouthful, but what does that mean? Basically, it means if you're not regularly practicing gratitude, your brain actually has a low joy capacity, right? So if you want to be, we all know those people, right? We, we know a few of them, I'm sure. I, I, hope, I, I hope you know at least one joy-filled, uh, contagious person in your life because they're just so good to be with. Um, but they've developed that capacity, you know, to hold joy. It's really hard to hold joy if we haven't practiced gratitude. And it's really easy to be negative and be critical, especially when it comes to marriage, you know, on the other person. But may I encourage everyone listening right now, how has that been working for you? <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself here if I, if I can for a moment because you know, I'm often that critical voice in, in our relationship. Why is this not done this way? Or, you know, you complain about things, but that's never gone down well for me ever. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it never, ever will, but somehow I still fall into that trap. Um, but I've started trying gratitude recently and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the amount of response I get and the closeness we experience in marriage in our marriage by, by simply being grateful for little things and saying that. So 
we, by being grateful, we're practicing our joy capacity and we're actually just, we're wiring our minds a different way. And there's a neurological, uh, there's some research around that, which I won't dive into. Um, but for anyone wanting to read about the connection between gratitude and joy, uh, definitely do that because it will strengthen your relationships. I think that's such a great reminder. I think intellectually, many of us, we quote unquote, know that gratitude is good for us. Um, and the thing is, it's not just going, oh, what are you grateful for? Okay, I'm grateful for this, that, and the other. I do the same thing every day. No, we have to like feel it in the moment. Like you need to connect, I think, to the the gratitude. But what I love about that is the joy stories and sharing like, hey, what's your joy story from today? I think that could actually work at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. And, and, and sometimes you can ask that you can ask people, Hey, what joy story, or you can just, you can just tell it, just, just you start bringing the joy, just bring a joy story to any room or any discussion you're in and just watch the whole, the atmosphere in the room shift. Um, it's so powerful when we, when we realize that we actually have more control over our emotions and over what's happening in life and, and even in situations, then we realize, um, we, and we realize we, we start bringing the joy, you know? So here's, here's a practical tip for yeah. those listening right now. Say, Hey, maybe I want to try this thing. Don't think about trying it because you'll wake up tomorrow and you won't. Okay. I want, what I want you to do right now. And, uh, if we were having this call in the morning at five past nine, you would have a little alarm on my phone, go off. And I would not turn that alarm off because I'm having this discussion. I would actually bring that alarm up and I'll show you, Hey, it's my gratitude alarm. And it's this, it's this wonderful, you know, little tune that plays. Um, when sometimes I'm driving in the car with my son and the tune starts playing, his shoulder starts jigging and he gets a little dance on and I'm like, Hey Jonah, what song is that? You know? And, um, I was like, Oh, it's gratefulness. And, and immediately he starts telling me what he's grateful for. So don't think that you need to be more grateful, set an alarm on your phone. <laughs> call the alarm, be grateful. And then when that thing goes off, just stop what you're doing and think about one thing that you're great. I'm grateful for this cup of coffee that I'm, that I'm having, or, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have an air conditioner in my office or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And then don't, don't think you need to hide that from people. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I've been in a conversation with someone or even had a meeting with, I don't know, some important client or whatever. And my initial response is, no, that's, that's unprofessional. Don't do that. But what I've typically done is when that happens, I take my phone out and I show them, Hey, look, it's my gratefulness alarm. Why don't you join me for a minute? And just, what are you grateful for? And I'll start and then they'll go. And then the, the atmosphere just, just shifts, uh, the tone of our conversation shifts because we, we're switching on our, what we call relational circuits in our brain when we do that. Oh, I love that gratitude time. Okay. There we go. We've gotten some good, uh, practical things we can do. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is I know you do this weekend to remember, right? Uh, it, like, so you talked earlier about immersion. What is a weekend to remember? I'm imagining it's like a workshop or some sort of retreat for couples is that right it yeah so it's a it's a marriage or couples getaway uh so you go away for three your three days uh two nights and, and and basically it's it's almost like conference style so you're in a 
in a large room with say 80 other couples wow and it's it's not like this group sharing thing you know but being in a in a room with other couples that are laughing that are you know um things get highlighted in a humorous way our our speakers that share from stage um they share very vulnerably on some of their story and and some of their successes and i think one of the reasons the the weekend to remember um has such a great impact i mean it's been running for 30 years in new zealand um the getaway and obviously it's been changed over the, over time but it, it really transports emotion it takes people on a journey in their marriage you know the uh, you get together on a friday night um and you've got these sessions that you you know you listen to the talks and then you're not asked to share publicly with anyone it's just the time for the two of you to connect right now you might be talking to other couples during your um you know breaks or morning tea but there's heaps of project time throughout the weekend so literally uh, for some couples that would be the first weekend they spend away from their kids without their kids since they had kids mm -hmm. and uh, so it does a bunch of things it gets people in that space of focusing on their marriage it it, it gives them great content and conversation topics it's very practical you know so i think i think the, the mix there is, is that it's it's a non-threatening environment um but it gives people tools and Look, some people have checked it out before they checked out, you know, they mm -hmm. sort of at their last resort and they, they, they gave it a shot. Um, I was actually reading something this week, uh, someone who wrote us a testimony. This was 20 years later. They said, thinking about or knowing how close I was to throwing away my marriage scares me. Now, this is someone speaking from 20 years down the line. Their kids have grown up. They've got grandkids. They're, they're enjoying family and, and life right now. And they go, went back to knowing that they nearly, they nearly called it quits on their marriage, you know? Um, and then there are, there are people that attended because they want to, they've, they've, they understand this investment culture, you know, they, they want to grow their marriage and they, they just come, they just come back. Some people have come like six or seven times just because they love it. They just get something out of it. And it's just a great opportunity for them to get away from the kids. Now, uh, wherever you are on that scale, like our goal is that people can grow at those weekends. Um, yeah. Well, they're investing. I mean, those couples, I imagine, that return, they know that it takes, you know, work, cross it out, and it's worth it. But yeah. it takes an investment and they're coming back time and time again, which is a tribute to you. It's interesting because I was picturing eight to 10 couples, like very intensive but you said it was a non-threatening environment. I think some couples and some people specifically would feel more comfortable in a bigger crowd like that where they can be part right. of it, yes. um, but not put on the spot or anything like that. So, yeah. 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 And, cool and one of the, one of the interesting concepts there, um, and I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm very analytic about things. I, I always want to figure out why something is working. So I didn't come up with these weekends, by the way, I'm just with the organization that, that have, that have run them for a long time. Um, but one of the things I think that, that really matters is, uh, we, we thought about this during COVID. You asked me before about what did we do? We, we thought about, can we put this experience up in an online manner? And the reason we didn't was if there's something that comes up in a conversation that's just too triggering, you know, couples might just go at each other and not even pay attention and not even sit through the, the material, or it's just too hot. I'll just go and put on the washing instead. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in that space, you know, you're, you've almost got a bit of a positive peer pressure, safe environment where um, it, it, it forces couples to engage. And once you can get the sting out of this thing that has become a problem, then it's so much easier to move, move forward. Oh, that's so great. So where is it? Like geographically, where is it? Okay, so um, we've got one coming up at the end of May in Auckland uh, uh, at the Waipuna. That's a conference oh, yeah. sort of center. So it's you, it's quite amazing because it's in the city, but you, you feel like you're not in the city at all, you know, because it's got this beautiful lake and it's a hotel. You stay in the hotel for the weekend. Uh, it almost feels like a, a second honeymoon for some. Now, some might say uh, the Waipuna. I mean, there's that. Is that even a place to go? But it's actually a it's it's a it's a really great experience, and it's not up there in terms of price. So we try and make it affordable for people, but still give them a honeymoon like experience. Nice. So and so then there's a to, sorry. I you imagine talk about some like, people would want to. So they they have to stay. Obviously, they've got to stay on site. Like that's part of it. You can't just drive in from your house in Titarangi or whatever. Well, you could, and that's the thing. We we don't include accommodation with the, the the registration. You know that basically covers your manuals and some um, morning and afternoon teas. And uh, I mean, it's only two ninety five a couple. We're we're a charity, so we actually raise a lot of what we do to make this event super affordable. You know, um, and so we we. we Put it that way so that people can drive in, but we highly recommend mm-hmm. if you can stay in, I mean, it's so worth it having that whole experience, but we recognize if people cannot, you know, do that, just find a way to get in and we even have scholarships. If people, you know, cannot actually, you know, afford the 295, they can, they can apply and we've got people who donate specifically for that. I do want to just answer your other question. There's another one coming up in September for um, people in the Tauranga area. And then um, those are the only two for this year. But then like every year we have new locations. Um, mm. So yeah, people can just check out the website if they're keen. That sounds amazing. Okay. I, I love the sound of that. So I'll go to my next question. I'm going to ask you about your Up Your Brave in a minute. But while we're talking about it, where can people contact you um, if they want to reach out either about that or some help? If Some people don't like doing the group stuff. They're more like, let's just work together one-on-one. How can people contact yeah. you if they want to learn more? Yeah, right. Um, so our website, familylife.nz, um, there's a bunch of different, you know, forms depending on what you're interested in. Um, they could either, some of those reach me directly um, or some of those put information in front of them more quickly than I might be able to get back to people because <laughs> I'm not always that fast at, at responding if there's a bunch of things going on. But um, there's heaps of free stuff on there. Um, we've actually got uh, a, a date night series that's three date nights delivered to your inbox uh, with practical ideas. And it's just to get you going. You know, yeah. we talked about that rhythm. Just get you going. So, um, yeah, familylife.nz. Love it. Familylife.nz. Amazing. Okay, so this is the question I ask all my guests. And it is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or experienced in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Wow. Um, so we are in the, in the, um, what, what we're in, we're in transition at the moment, our organization in terms of growth. And so, I mean, our, the work we do 
doesn't fund what we do in any capacity, you know, whatsoever. So it's unlike another organization where, you know, you just sell more products, make more money, appoint more people to do the work. You know, we've got a, we've got an interesting model where we need to commit to growth of the organization and what we do, but how we do that is all, you know, based on um, people's generosity. So we're, we're a donor-based organization. And in the last, um, in the last two years, we've, we've actually grown our organization with a few with a few people so that we can do more and look that's a scary place to be because it's not like we had all these funds and now what are we going to do with this let's grow it's like you're committing to growth and that growth needs to somehow you know be funded but look i can just say that the journey has been amazing and 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 um it, it's nerve-wracking at times but you sort of put yourself out there and you ask and and people respond, which is which is amazing. But um, yeah, that would definitely be right up there in terms of brave things, uh, you know, especially when you commit to those those uh, additional resources. Yeah, and that's right. As anyone growing an organization or a business and having the the courage and the um, you know the capacity also to bring new people on board. Well, congratulations. Uh, my next question is about your bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list that the reality check radio community can possibly help you with well <laughs> so i used to be i actually used to be a music teacher i used to teach guitar but that was because i had a, a hobby for it and then i turned the hobby into i thought what was going to be a career so i'm really into music in that way and there's a specific guitar luthier who does this custom-made electric guitar in italy Right now, I'm originally from South Africa, living in New Zealand right now, but I have uh, on my bucket list to actually travel to Italy, see the the, the gardens in Florence, and um, potentially maybe buy one of those custom-made electric guitars. So yeah, that would be a great trip you know, for family, a uh, bit of an instrument acquisition thing, something to take home. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's something I'd want to do before I kick the bucket, so to speak. Okay, so if any of our listeners have been to Italy, you know the must-visit locations and possibly where he can get one of these guitars, then you can get in touch directly, actually, with um, with Vaynen. You can find him also on LinkedIn, right? Are you on LinkedIn That's as well? Right. LinkedIn. Vain so I'm going to spell it for people. It's W-Y-N-A-N-D, pronounced Vaynen, and the surname mm -hmm. is Jacobs. Yes, that's right. So they can find me there uh, or you know, drop something on the website. Um, yeah. We'll, or family we'll or familylife.nz. You can also reach right. out to us at Reality Check, inbox at realitycheck.radio um, or text us. And we are happy to hear from you as well with your, any ideas for help with the bucket list. Um, amazing. Before we go to my last question, which is, is there anything else? Um, we've done the contact you. Is there anything else specifically you've got coming up that you want to let us know about? You've already told us about a few things. Yeah, yeah, look, we, um, yeah, it's, it's great. Like, <laughs> what I enjoy about the work that I do is, is I'm constantly thinking about and, and look, I feel so privileged to be able to focus this specifically on marriages and, and actually get to call it a job. Um, but what I love doing is thinking about experiences that help people grow in their marriage. And so there's a bunch of projects and things we're working on. Um, we like, we're, we're in the process of launching like, um, peer support groups or small groups, which is basically 
you can use a resource and uh, in six weeks, you know, a group of uh, couples can go through it together, you know, so that launch is coming up sometime soon. We're thinking about how do we actually um, generate communities of marriage mentors where people are just doing uh, life on life. They're mentoring another marriage and we've got a really easy to use resource that they can use to help them ask good questions. And so I love that. I love that we could just think about how we solve this relational problem and you know, a big a BHAG, if you will, a big hairy audacious goal for us at Family Life is to be known New Zealand wide as the place for people to go to upskill in their relationship. So wherever you're at, knowing that if I want to invest in my relationship, Family Life will have something for me that would be relevant. And so, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things coming up. There's always different things, but we, we want to say sort of meet people wherever they're at in that journey and have something for them as a next step that they can take. That is awesome. I think there's so many resources because um, some people love to just read stuff and some people love to give, be given homework that they can do in their own time. And other people want to just come to an event or else they know they're never even going to open the email. That would be me. Um, <laughs> so I, I really like that you're kind of covering all the bases um, because like you said, you know, like we said at the start, marriage is a journey. It does, you know, we have twists and turns along the way. The COVID experience has been tricky for for many couples. For some people, it's brought them closer together. And for others, it's it's pulled them apart to a certain extent. But I think today you've shared some really good strategies. Um, so I'm really hoping to, that we leave people feeling empowered and feeling more positive about their relationships and wanting to, you know, move forward rather than drift apart. Is there right. anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, well, look... If, if, if I have a way of putting into a capsule or a pull or something, uh, <laughs> you know, or dare I even say it into a, into a in, injection, a way of infusing no, don't hope. Say that. <laughs> I won't say that, but I just said that, but just as if I can come up with a way of infusing hope, uh, into someone's journey in their marriage, regardless of where you're at, there's hope and we've seen it time and time again we've seen um gee i actually i i'm, I'm reminded of a, a conversation i had uh about a month ago with a, a lady who's you know they've been back together for five years now after being separated for two years i think they actually came to a weekend remember before their separation like a few years prior and then they separated they actually came back together and they came to another weekend to remember um and they're now just like really growing through all the pains they've had but their marriage is now at a stage with they've got so much hope they they they're really um thriving as a couple to the point where they're they're uh thinking of how they could help other couples mm. other married couples now if you want to talk about a story that had sort of no hope you know it was over then i would have said that story so if i can leave our listeners with one thought today is find hope surround yourself with people who will be uh, carriers of hope merchants of hope is the word i like to use and and latch onto that even if you don't have your own hope latch onto mine listen to a podcast whatever it's like i know that there's always hope and a case is never too far gone um if you can just put the right ingredients to it and you've got two people committing to working on it. Even if you've got one person committing to infusing love, that's a powerful source, love 
And hope is a powerful source to bring good to the world and to change people and to help people heal from hurt. So that's my final thought for today. What an amazing way to wrap things up. Thank you so much, Vaynan, for joining us today. Thanks, Natalie. And thanks to our amazing audience for listening. Um, You can get in touch with Vaynan if you want to learn more. And there's been so much gold. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Okay. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.